Hey y'all, I'm Deidre. And I'm Sarah. And this is Screaming Sugar. <laughs> okay, so this is a different episode. We are down one member. Our dear friend Chelsea could not make it with us. We are all snowed in from the winter storm of the season. And uh, so we are Zooming each other and she lives out in the country and her internet can't handle it. Doesn't it doesn't understand. It doesn't understand. The joys of living in the boonies in Kentucky. Unfortunately, she cannot be here with us. And so we are gonna do a different little episode for you guys so that there's a little something for you this week. Spookiest stuff. Chelsea's with us in spirit, so we're going to talk about some spirits. Yes, I'm going to throw some stuff in here and there. So I'm going to talk about some spooky roads in our dear old Kentucky home. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first one I'm going to talk about is Sleepy Hollow Road, and this is near Prospect, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Which I don't even know where that's at. I'm really bad with, like, geography, so... But anyway, outside of Louisville, uh, a lot of the ones I want to talk about are near Louisville, in Louisville, around Louisville. Louisville just has some shit going on. Yeah, no, Louisville's pretty creepy. Yeah, Prospect is kind of like its own town in Louisville-ish type thing. In this own little town of Prospect, it's apparently like a rite of passage for teenagers who have just started driving to drive down these old creepy spooky roads and Mm -hmm. sleepy hollow road is a really winding two-lane road in jefferson county and it's lined with trees but there's no street lights which already freaks me out yeah yeah that's already creepy and there's a steep drop off that in some parts of it it's more than 30 feet but there is a guardrail around it Oh, okay. And it's said to be absolutely like beautiful during the day with the trees and everything, but at night, shit gets dark. Apparently, you drive down this road, and as you're driving, you start to see headlights come up on you in your rearview mirror, which isn't weird because you're on a road. But just before you think they're going to hit you because they're getting that close, it comes up beside you and it's a hearse. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. So this hearse has black tinted windows, so you can't see inside of it. Okay. And that they will ram the side of your car, and then they force you off the road and down the embankment. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is just rude. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> These people are living, like they're living, they're surviving to tell the tale. Uh, apparently. So supposedly whenever people drive on this road, it's been like a few minutes, but then when they get off of the road, they realize it's actually been hours instead of minutes. Yeah. And how's that happening on like a little road? I don't know. Can you imagine like you already go through all that stuff and then like you're on your way to family dinner and then you get off the road and you're like, okay, I'm just running like five minutes behind. And then you realize it was like, 12 hours ago <laughs> yeah like you done missed the whole dinner and the announcements everything. and everything yeah and the announcements <laughs> yeah everybody's calling you they're like where are you people are afraid like you should be like there's a hearse that knocked me off the edge of a cliff and i'm climbing my like i just don't know what's happening well apparently there's a cemetery close by called herod's creek cemetery so that's what a lot of people attribute the hearse to Ooh, because okay. there's a cemetery right there There's also uh, one area on this road called Devil's Point, and supposedly, back in the day, it was a place where people used to perform satanic rituals. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm -mm. no. (laughs) And people who, I don't know if it's people who used to live there or if people that live there now still say this, but apparently you can hear ominous chanting and you can hear screams of sacrificed victims no and there's also some claims 
that people have witnessed bonfires in the woods. And at these bonfires, there's people dressed in those long black cloaks. Like what is going on on this road? And the creepiest part of this that I haven't even got to yet, there's a bridge on this road at Height Creek. And the legend has it that used to mothers of unwanted or crippled babies would throw them over this bridge into the creek. I've never, I'd kind of heard of this road a little bit here and there. Like I know where Prospect is. Now that I've heard more about it, I kind of remember something about this weird road, but I didn't remember anything really. I've never heard the baby throwing situation. Yeah, I had never heard of any of this. Well, I, I didn't even know where freaking Prospect was. So of course I hadn't heard of it. I have a friend and I think her grandparents live either there or Anchorage. There's like two towns. I can't remember which one. They know this road and if they've drove on it before. Uh, Yeah. Like, and like, what's all this about these women killing babies, throwing them out, people falling off of cliffs and (laughs) shit. I'm going to have to invest. I'm going to have to ask because I need to know. Mm -hmm. And as the legend goes, when the moon shines on the bridge at night, you can still hear screams and cries of the babies and oh. like mournful cries of the mothers that oh. threw them over. Mm-mm. Yeah, so that's the super, super fucked up story of Sleepy Hollow Road. <laughs> okay. That's a lot. Did not know. I will. <clears throat> and get this back one is pretty you. much just easing you into all the creepy shit of the roads I'm going to talk about. This is the light one. This is the fluffy one. The culty (laughs) shit. All the culty shit was light. (laughs) My first um, little spook spook story from Kentucky is, it's called several different things, uh, but I call it the Russellville girl. Is this the one that you said I would probably know? Yes. Because you lived in Russellville at one point. I did, and I have no idea what this is. It's also kind of been called the Sexton House. Like the, you know where that is. You know where the Sexton House is, right? No. When I lived in (laughs) Russellville, I went to Walmart and like restaurants, and that was pretty much it. I don't know. Okay, well, let me enlighten you. Yes, enlighten me. Basically... Long story short, there was a girl, her father was the sexton. A sexton is someone who is a caretaker of a cemetery. So, you know, in Russellville, there's that big white house with like the green trimmings. And then there's that huge cemetery behind it. I don't know. Sarah, you ain't even seen the house? (laughs) It's been a long time since I've been there, though. So I across the street from a gas station. I can't remember if it's a shell or something. Well, there's a lot of gas stations. I don't know. Okay, well, it's Maple Grove Cemetery. It's like the biggest, probably the biggest cemetery in Russellville. It's got to be because it's huge. It's humongous. And there's a big white house out front with the front porch, some little rocking chairs. And then there's a window up at the top on the second floor. That Mm -mm. is. Do you see uh, this little girl in that window? boarded up I was like what oh, <laughs> I thought okay. you were gonna say you see this little girl in that window well you did and that's why it's boarded up oh yep oh. So, here we go so basically there was this girl she was like a teenager she was the daughter of the caretaker and we've heard that there was a picnic and she had a fiance or she had a, a bow so all of Someone this is like so wholesome so far where does it go wrong just wait she <laughs> uh it's either she was going to a dance that night or a picnic and she knew that this boyfriend was going to propose to her at the picnic or something like that there was something going on her parents told her that she couldn't go the date was running late because of this storm that was going on outside. And they were like, nope, it's like, he's late. Like it's storming outside. It's crazy. You can't go. And she was pissed. 
And mm. so she goes up to the cupola, uh, which is, you know, what this thing basically is. It's just like a little upstairs area. It's not really a full room, but it had windows. And she looks out the window and she cursed God out this window. Oh no, girl. Mm-mm. And she got struck by lightning. And oh, in they the house? say, yeah, in the house, like through the window, she was like, Mm-mm-mm. whatever she said to the Lord. And it was like, <laughs> right. Then he was like, oh, okay, wow. And God, okay. Like, <laughs> so that's the, that's what they say happened to her. And she was struck by lightning. And it said that her image, the moment she got struck by lightning was etched into the glass. Okay. Yes. And you lived here and you drove. Past I, know, I don't know. Shit. And you don't. I'm about to. I'm an like, uncultured swine. <laughs> I wish you could see this house because you'll be. You may be. I don't know. You may be. I'll like, look it up. I'll. Uh, I'll put the pictures on our Instagram. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's crazy. So, like by the 20s, the story had spread, you know, and the house and the window became like this big tourist attraction, and people would just come out to see it like everybody loves all that spooky shit oh yeah like the i mean i would have been like y'all we gotta go to russellville like we Mm -hmm. gotta go because they're saying this girl's face is in the window like let's see it you know of course years and years and years have gone by and you know the people of this small town have said like yes i was there i saw it like my grandma was there my great grandma was there you know people came from all over to look at this woman etching in the glass and they said that you could see it and that you could only see it like in another lightning storm but you know we don't really know because everybody's gone who was originally there and like the family ended up moving and they would paint over it with thick paint and it would show through they would switch the glass out it would still show through and finally um you know, people just got tired of so much tourism with it that they just finally boarded up the wall, um, not the wall, the window. So ever since I've been alive, there's been boards on that window. Yeah. And uh, there's a, I wish I could find this picture of me in front of the house because I heard about the house there. Okay. First of all, there's this TV show called, uh, the haunting tradition and it came on KET. And of oh, course K-E-T. I was KET. <laughs> okay. I was obsessed with it. And it was stories about Kentucky. But already ghost stories. Of course, I've already heard about the Sexton House because I think my dad told me the story. And then it was on there. I got a little more info from it, fell in love with it, used to watch it constantly. So a couple of my stories are actually from there. And then, you know, like I already knew about the Russellville lady. I thought that that would be a tie to you. You don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Now you know. You tried. <laughs> did. I was like, you're definitely going to know it before we started recording. She was like, give me a lot of yeah, credit. I told like, you not to get your know. hopes up because I really don't know. I don't know people that I should know that I've lived in the same county as for a whole my, for whole my life, for all, my whole life and places that I've lived my whole life. I don't freaking know. Oh my God. I'll have to ask joseph yeah if he knows where that's at my husband yes her husband joseph may know so yes so that is the story of the russellville girl some stories say she's nude so some people are calling it like well that's portrait of- odd why would yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know why she's naked all of a sudden but you know angry the angry bather i've never heard of that what? so i thought the russellville <laughs> the girl angry the girl the angry bather like she's not bathing (laughs) but you know so that's dumb but um I call it you know the sexton house or you know the girl in the window or the Russellville girl spooky spooky very spooky all right the next one I'm gonna talk about is Narrows Road in Erlinger I think that's how you say it Kentucky. Okay. Sounds good. We'll go with it. So apparently this road is where the ghost of a police officer likes to hang out. According to the legend, he was making a traffic stop in the fifties 
And while he was outside of his car, he was struck by an oncoming car and killed. And supposedly a 1950s police cruiser will pull you over when you're on this road. And there's two different versions of what happens. One version says he walks up to your car and he says something to you and then he just disappears. And the Mm. other version says that he starts walking to your car, but then he disappears before he gets to your window, which I would definitely prefer that to happen than this ghost come up and start talking to me. Yeah, no, mm -mm. I don't want want you talking to me. Exactly. Apparently local police there say that there was never any officer that was killed on that road. So I don't know if he's wandering around and he just happens to be on that road or if it's just all, you know, hogwash, but still creepy. Oh yeah. No, that's a, that's a creepy one for sure. It would be neat to see just this random 50s police cruiser. Yeah. Driving down the road though. That's it. Yeah. A nice little short one. So my next one is from Owensboro. Ooh. Yes. And um, I once again heard of it through the haunting tradition, my favorite little KAT ghost story. <laughs> but it's also in this book by um, William Montel. In the book, the story is called Was It the Ghost of a Woman or That of a Dog? It, you would think you'd be able to tell those apart. <laughs> Right. It's like, so this is about Wilson, Wilson's Ferry Landing. And um, it takes place on a balmy night, uh, a late summer evening in 1947, two years before my dad was born. This was a minute ago. (laughs) Uh, A group group of Owensboro teenagers were on their way to a party. You know, they were laughing, having a good time. And their laughter all stopped immediately and they froze in their tracks because this apparition of a tall woman in white clothes just rose up out of nowhere. Like in and the road one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Oh, nope. Yeah. And one of the guys actually passed out, like just fell out completely and they had to drag <laughs> his body to a neighbor's house. That'd be <laughs> like, us. Just, yeah, that's me. <laughs> just painting instantly. Just, Okay. We'd all be screwed because me, you, Chelsea, we would probably all just pass out. We'd just be laying there until somebody found us. Hoping she like gets bored and just leaves because we, we've just knocked ourselves unconscious. <laughs> well, they're no fun. This is played out. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then the word got around and, you know, people thought, well, this is crazy, but it was too real to have been fake, you know, to be made up. So these two brothers... Uh, Harry and Harold, which I feel is weird because Harry is short for Harold. So it doesn't make any sense that you would name both your kids. Names that could be abbreviated as a nickname or. Well, we, I don't remember what podcast I was listening to, but they had like two sons or something and their names, I can't remember what they were, but they were so similar. I want to say it was a, a, a Paranormal Chicks episode. Yeah, it was something. It was like Tyree and Tyreek. That's what it was. I think that's what it was. Something like that. I remember I stopped and I paused it and I was like, Deidre, what, why, why would they, why would they do this? Why would you do that? Harry and Harold. So you can't call one of them a nickname. Can't call one of them. I guess Harold's not his full name, but why? Yeah, that's weird. Harry and Harold, but either way, there were two auto mechanics and they were like, we got to check this out. You know, like what's going on? So they go to visit the old ferry landing. And as they get there, you know, it's abandoned looking and it used to be one of the busiest areas in the region because, you know, back then people had to have the ferry to cross over the Ohio River and stuff. And Harold glances back over his shoulder there's a luminous feminine figure in a flowing white long sleeve gown standing there she's in a freaking long sleeve white gown 
aren't they all just standing there and whatever it was it didn't move and Harold saw like a misty white shawl covering her head but he wasn't able to see her face which I think is super creepy that yeah Mm-mm. like Mm-mm. you got you gotta show me what what you're working with underneath there yeah like I don't want to see you at all but the fact that I can't see you exactly creepier yeah so that happened and you know it didn't make a sound or anything and he looked away to tell his brother like hey this is going on back here yeah uh when he turns back around it's only a white dog that disappeared behind a clump of trees so like the woman turns into a dog yeah they guess like she was there they look back and there's just a white dog and it seemed to glide rather than walk. Oh. And its legs <laughs> nope. So Harry, the other brother, also saw the dog and claimed it was about three feet long and glowed as if it was um, covered with phosphorus. So like a lot of illumination. But it spread throughout Orangeboro and um, a young milkman, and he was like 16, decided that he was going to go out there too with a couple of his older friends and they went out there and they said, you know, it was all in white and it took about eight steps, not on water, but in the air. So this time she's like in the water walking towards them. And Uh -uh. they said, yeah, they said she walked like an old woman, uh, never moved its arms and then turned into a white dog that floated away a few feet over the surface. What the hell? uh, and nobody else could see it. And they told the cops, but there's obviously nothing they can do about it because it's obviously. Yeah. Like, why, why are you I'm, walking on water? You ain't Jesus. Yeah. Well, she wasn't walking on the water. She was walking above the water. She was like, I can't You ain't better there. than Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to walk a little above, no disrespect. Mm-mm. Just trying to show my face for whatever reason loads of disrespect yes so that is old wilson's ferry haunting in owensboro kentucky oh lord all right the next one i'm going to talk about is in jefferson county as well and it's the legend of the pope lick monster that resides on a hundred foot high railroad in the eastern part of louisville and this monster is half human and half goat also known as a goat man oh which okay it's like i try to think of like the chronicles of narnia mm-hmm. like he's not scary but this one's yeah this one's like scary as shit mm-hmm. so there's a couple different um legends of how this goat man came to be the first one says that he is the offspring of a farmer who had some uh, unnatural relations with no, some of no. his animals. Not the bestiality. Why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's also the other version says that the goat man, he was a farmer who practiced Satanism. And he would sacrifice goats to keep give himself power. And when he was dying, he swore that he would live again. And so he was resurrected as half man, half goat. And now he's destined to walk the railroad as the goat man. Oh, God. Okay. Which, you know, neither one's good. But in the 1800s, there were rumors of this creature, and these rumors caught the attention of a circus owner named Silas Garner, and so he offered a reward to anyone who could catch the goat man, because, you know, he runs this circus. He's like, you know, that's a really good freak for my freak show, so apparently somebody did. He became the circus's, like, best attraction, and... Mm -hmm. It lasted until one night the circus train was headed to Louisville when lightning struck, bringing lightning back into it, 
It struck mm-hmm. the tracks and it derailed the train and it killed everybody on board except the goat man. So goat that, man. Is, yep. that is why the goat man haunts the train track. Wow. And that is it on the Poplick monster. Well, this one I doubt you've heard of. I doubt it because I've never heard of any of them. <laughs> right. But this one is uh, takes place in like the Madisonville. Okay. Yeah, Madisonville area. So not um, too far. No. No, these Have are very you, far. No, these are all like right on the outskirts of all of our yeah. area. We're in the heart of it yeah. all. This one, have you heard of the Mandy tree? I have not. Shocker. (laughs) So this happened like 1915. It's been a long time ago. A minute. But yes, but the um, death of Amanda Taylor Holloman, Mandy, uh, took place in the summer back then. And it's still a mystery. Uh, They don't know, you know, why she was murdered or anything, but she was, you know, they found her body. I can't remember who found her body. It was like her children. She had a couple of kids. She was married. Her kids Um, found her. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. It was the kids. That Um, is just awful. I mean, it's awful for anybody to come across a dead body, but yo, kids. Yeah. So it was. She had two kids, a stepson, and then it was her husband and her living in the house. So the two kids, her two children had went off to um, get some water from a spring a few blocks away. The husband had left home for work and the stepson had left not too long behind him. And she died from a gunshot wound and it was ruled a suicide, even though no weapon was found. What? Yeah. Like she's going to be like, okay, I'm going to shoot myself real quick in this, you know, one millisecond before I die, I'm going to stash this gun. Right. And I'm just going to lay in the middle of the floor where there's like nowhere for me to hide anything. They found her nude body wrapped in a quilt under the tree when they returned. So the tree they're talking about is this little oak tree, like sapling or sample sapling 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 um yeah i was like i don't have it written right here but i know it's one or the other and now i'm being it's sapling a sampling so. of a tree just a little, yeah, a little, a little sample of a tree so she was sample. wrapped in a quilt and they still said it was suicide like she wrapped herself up in a quilt yeah like i don't know how you shoot yourself in the side wrap yourself up hobble out to the backyard and lay in front of this <laughs> oak tree but you're trying to kill yourself. I just feel like it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I've heard this story millions of times and I didn't realize this was an African-American woman. Oh. No one ever talked about that. And now I that I see that's three, probably one of the reasons why they're like, oh, it's a suicide. Yeah. You know, it's 1915. She's black. They're like, whatever. They don't care. But like, you know, if it happened to be like a white man that killed her, they're going to cover that shit up to protect him. Oh yeah, Low down. real quick. Yep, ruled a suicide or whatever, and they find her body there underneath that tree. You know, the house and the big oak tree passed down to the hands of this um, these two African Methodist Episcopal ministers, H. B. and Madeline C. Taylor, and their grandson. Uh, Ron Elliott says that his grandmother once confided to family members that she and her husband feared at one point that they might be unable to make the mortgage payments and lose the property. So she began praying. And about that time, Elliott said someone noticed that the foliage of Mandy's oak tree, because all her friends were like, you know, she loved that tree. She loved that tree. Blah, 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 blah. Was she buried uh, underneath that tree? She was at the tree when she was found. I don't know where she ended up being buried at okay. afterwards. So she, the foliage of the tree had grown into the silhouette of her face. Those who knew her were like stunned because they knew like it looked just like her. And even 
had like a high collar, like the ones that she used to wear. And like, people just were like, it's Mandy in the tree. That's Mandy. Yeah. They were like, and I think some of her clothes were out there too, by her body. So they were like the blood from the clothes, the blood. Some people think it's soaked up through the oak and just like Mm-mm. bloomed to look like her. You know, people were crowding around this one too, trying to figure it out. Um, and apparently the Elliot guy, his uh, grandmother sold refreshments and stuff to sightseers and his father photographed people and all this stuff. So it was a big thing. And um, they don't know when Mandy's profile vanished from the foliage, but the white oak was finally destroyed by lightning. What is with lightning? I don't know. And I just realized this. That's the third 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 story that lightning has played a big part in. Oh, but an update in the story a little later, there was a man remodeling the house during the 80s and he found an old 22 rifle that could have been the murder weapon that was hidden in a wall around the fireplace. Huh. Yep. Uh, It had been given to Mandy's great nephew, John Taylor Jr. of Madisonville who said it is sad it is a sad reminder of his great aunt mandy's unsolved death and of her haunting image in the family tree that's creepy yeah i used to get my hair done me and my mom and my grandma used to get our hair done in arlington which is really close to madisonville and i remember asking my hairstylist about the mandy tree and she like knew where it was and I want to go look at it. Oh, never mind. It got destroyed. Yeah, it's gone. Everything good is gone. But that's the Mandy tree, Madisonville. Okay, so I have one left. I have one more. And this is the one that creeps me out the most. It is located in Marion, Kentucky. And it is a cemetery that is on Baker Church Road. They say that it's very hard to see when you're driving on the road. So you have to go to the very end and there's a fork and you have to take the left side of that fork and turn your car all the way around before you can see the cemetery. It doesn't sound like a lot to see it. Yeah. And apparently the first thing that happens when you turn your car around is you experience this great feeling of sadness just out of nowhere. And some people say that they even just have cried, which Mm -hmm. really creeps me out because like you, seeing stuff is bad enough but like you just start getting all these weird feelings and stuff I'm like no yeah no, my feels. yeah no that's scary yeah people have said you can hear music and laughter mm-hmm. and screaming and you no. can also feel things trying to get in your car oh no um people who have reported all this stuff happening They've actually had evidence of it because there's been fingerprints, dents, and deep scratches in like the glass and on the vehicles. Absolutely not. It's been reported also that you'll see an injured dog like on the side of the road. And Mm -hmm. when you stop to pick him up, you know, to help him, it's just a ploy so spirits can get into your car when you open the door. No, 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 no. <laughs> How are y'all going to do something like that? Because they're, they're rude. Yeah. Now, this dog that is injured is actually a phantom dog. He's described as having yellow eyes and he is, he casts the shadow of a demon. They're this trapping is, people. Oh yeah, the, the creepiest part to me, if you don't pick him up, He will run after your car, you know, just like dogs do. But unlike normal dogs, he can keep up with your car no matter how fast you're driving. No. No. (laughs) Like this dog running beside you at like 40, 50, whatever, how many miles an hour? No. Yeah. Like 60, Mm -mm. like a fucking cheetah, but it's a phantom dog. Great. (laughs) A phantom dog. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't. Apparently, you can also hear people screaming for help. You will experience crazy changes in the weather all of a sudden. So I guess like you'll be driving and it's 
clear skies that night and then just a fog will roll through or just automatically just start pouring down rain or whatever apparently like you can hear... anyway oh yeah it really is true to kentucky form changing the weather <laughs> at the drop of a hat just yeah, that's not even scary right but what is scary is apparently you can hear your dead family members calling to you no <laughs> Uh, okay and Mm. also apparently see dead men just hanging along trees along the road (laughs) no 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 where's this at so i know not to go there (laughs) this is in marion kentucky on baker church road i'll never go they say that if you want to see them you have to be like committed to seeing them they like the ghosts, the spirits and experiencing all this stuff. They say that you need to keep your doors locked, keep your windows up like duh. And they say yeah. that you need to visit at night, preferably after midnight, but be careful because the spirits are very aggressive. Basically, Obviously. if you want to go, <laughs> be ready for I it. Do not. Yeah, I'm, I'm good not going to that one. Yeah, don't want to hear anybody calling out to me or you know i'll seek i'll seek i'll stick to my uh unhaunted roads unhaunted right. as far as i know exactly like this point who knows i don't know and this is the story of the conjured chest Ooh, okay like a treasure chest like a like a chest, of drawers. chest. Oh. yes like a chest of drawers so the story is first described in a letter from a woman named Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland. All these names. Uh, her, name. Yes, Virginia. Carey Hudson Cleveland. Um, to her daughter, Virginia, and she has, you know, all the middle names, Maine. So I'm going to have Virginia Maine and Cleveland and whoever else in this story. So Cleveland, the mom's grandmother told her the story as a kid and the conjured test was likely a test or chest (laughs) was likely made around 1830 possibly in mead county so like brandenburg that kind of area Mm. uh, which is where this graham family lived it all starts with this guy named jeremiah graham he's making preparations for his firstborn child And that includes a chest that was hand carved and made by a slave on his plantation named Remus. Yeah. Oh, I remember me telling you about this a little bit. Yeah, I do know because you told Mm -hmm. me earlier. But okay, continue. This one's messed up though. Okay. Jeremiah was not satisfied with the chest and he beat Remus until he died from his injuries, which is so messed up. And it's gorgeous. Like if you go look at the chest, it is. We'll have to. We'll post that on Instagram too. Yeah, it's impeccable, beautiful. Some people think he was jealous. Some people, yeah. Some people think you know he just did it to do it, and he killed him. And the other slaves were not having this, so they took dried owl's blood and sprinkled it into the chest. They put a curse on it. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. They were like, oh, hell no. You're not going to get Remus. We're about to poison your ass. So they did. And the chest was theirs. And, you know, they didn't know anything about the curse. So they just moved it into the child's nursery. And every time something was put in the chest, a tragedy happened. 16 people are thought to have had some kind of bad luck after coming into contact with Six- the chest. 16? 16 people in this one family it's crazy so starts out with jeremiah graham the murderer mm-hmm. his child who the chest was made for died in infancy uh, yeah and i'm just gonna try to blow through these a little bit because there are like 15 more because this chest was getting people left and right so uh jeremiah had a twin brother named Jonathan, he had a son. The son's clothes were placed in the chest and he was stabbed by his body servant on his 21st birthday. Uh, Jeremiah and Jonathan's sister-in-law 
put the chest in the attic. She was like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. So then John Ryan, a recent immigrant from Ireland, eloped with Catherine Winchell, I guess Amanda's sister or something. She arranged for them to live on land belonging to the Grams and gave them the chest, which they both used. Uh, farm life left them poor and made Catherine ill. John planned to go to New Orleans to find work and was killed in an accident. And Catherine died from being ill out on the farm. Then Louise Gregory, a child of Eliza Ryan and John David Gregory, died around the age of 10 years old. Eliza and John David Gregory's only son, Ernest, married Stella Stonecipher. Stonecipher. Um, Stella put her wedding clothes in the chest. The couple wed mm-hmm. in 1895. Stella died within two years of their wedding. Another person in the Gregory family came to live with Eliza and John David, and she married a man, and they had a baby, and the clothes went into the chest, and Chester, the baby, died at two weeks old. Um, all these babies. I know. The woman that married Wilbur Harlan, whose son died at two weeks old, he put his clothes in the chest, and he died four years later. One of the people's new nephews, Emmett. Uh, I have a nephew named Emmett. Oh, yeah. Someone <laughs> made him some, knitted him some gloves and a scarf, and they put it in the chest <laughs> for a Christmas gift. Oh, he wasn't new. I think I was trying to say nephew, and I said new. But um, he worked for the railroad, and one evening uh, in December of 1909, he got off the train and fell 30 feet through a trestle. So then this girl, Nellie, married a guy named Fred in 1905. She placed her wedding clothes in the chest. She placed her wedding clothes in the chest. (laughs) And he left her, deserted her. Uh, Did she die? Nope. He just left her so far. I don't know. (laughs) They can get her. Yeah, she's the lucky one. Uh, when Eliza Gregory's husband, John David, dies in 1908, she rearranged her house and moved the chest into her room, and she took her own life and died April 4th, 1915. Uh, the chest was then moved to Louisville with Eliza and John David Gregory's granddaughter, Virginia Carrie Hudson Cleveland, old girl from the beginning, and her husband, Kurtley Cleveland. Virginia put her first child's baby clothes in the chest the baby was born premature and died the same day stop putting your on- baby clothes in the chest why ain't nobody burning this chest i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's, it's been Get rid of the damn thing. I'm like do y'all not know about this because it's happening so yeah the baby was born prematurely and died on the same day uh virginia and Kurtley. Had two more daughters, the second being Anne Carrie Cleveland. Anne's clothes were placed in the chest. Anne was struck down with polio in 1929. Although she recovered, she endured related symptoms her whole life. Uh, Virginia and Kirtley Cleveland's older daughter, Virginia Hudson Cleveland, whose wedding clothes had been placed in the chest. Wilbur Brister married this woman in 1943 and 1944. He was rushed to the hospital for an appendectomy and died from an overdose of ether. I guess this was like an old anesthetic and he died of an overdose from that at the hospital. Then Virginia and Kirtley's neighbor, the guy who just died, had a son, had a son, had a neighbor named Sonny who put his hunting clothes in the chest. He was killed in a gun accident at the home of the neighbor's on April 5th, 1946. Yes. And then <laughs> Richard, Virginia and Kirtley's son, put his clothes in the chest. Less than a week later, was stabbed through the hand at school. I don't know if he lived or not. They don't say. The hand? Somebody, yeah, somebody stabbed him in the hand at school. What kind of school is this? <laughs> I have no clue. Hard not life, apparently. Uh after all this happened, Virginia was at the end of her rope. So she now, asks. It's about time. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, she's like, you know what? My kid got stabbed. Everybody's dying, you know, but the hand stabbing is where it takes the cake. <laughs> she's had enough. She talks to Sally, a maid who has worked for Virginia most of her life. So it sounds like she's like with the family forever. Mm-hmm. And she asks her, you know, how do you break a conjure? How do you break a curse? Virginia and Sally completed all the steps to break the curse. Uh, she needed a dead owl brought unmasked by a friend. Then she had to take some willow leaves, boil them for one day in sight of the owl. So the owl had to be like looking at the leaves this boiling. Is so weird. Yeah, I'm like, mm. okay. And um, they had to take the leaves once they became, you know, a liquid. They had to put it in a jug and bury it with the handle facing east under a, under a flowering bush. It's very, it were, very specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like all this stuff that's crazy. And if either of it worked, Sally said that either her or Virginia would die before all the leaves fell off the bush in the fall. And sure enough, so if, Sally, it did, if it didn't die, I mean, if it didn't die, if it didn't work, they would both die. If it did work, one of them was going to die who participated in the ritual. See, but then how would you know if it even worked? Because people have been dying left and right anyways. Well, I guess you don't put anything in the chest. And Sally died the following Uh, September. To this day, some of the owl feathers remain in the top drawer to keep the curse at bay. And so there's this picture of these owl feathers... And there's a note from the one lady who's like, you know, don't do it. And I think she would turn the knobs around so people couldn't open it because it was just dangerous. Mm-hmm. You want to die? But Go yeah, ahead and open I, it. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So it is, um, it's traveled to Las Vegas uh, in 2015. It was featured on season one of the Travel Channel's Deadly Possessions. Mm. Um, it's a Zach Bagan show, and he actually interviews uh, Virginia, the one who did the curse reversal. Ooh. He interviews her daughter. You know, she said, because she donated it to the, the Kentucky Historical Society. And, you know, he was like, why would she do that? And she was like, I don't think she wanted anybody else to die. Like, you know, she was like, could you imagine just putting it out for somebody to take and mm-hmm. you know that person's going to die? I would have destroyed it. I don't know if they thought it could make things worse or what, but I mean, maybe. it's gorgeous. Super haunted, cursed, but it's beautiful. Like, this guy, Remus, did an amazing job. Good job, Remus. Yeah, I'll post a picture of it on our Instagram. And that's that's it for me, the cursed chest of Kentucky. All right. So I have a couple of personal things, some little spook spooks of my own. And the first one, it's so hard for me to remember, but I can remember like bits and pieces. So I'm going to share those bits and pieces. Okay. So I can remember whenever I was in high school, um, me and my sister, Tina, we went to a road in Hadley, which isn't too far from here. You know where Hadley is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I figured you would, but apparently. Yeah, in between where I live and where you live. Exactly. So apparently on this road in Hadley, a girl died at some point. I don't know how. I don't know if she was killed or car wreck or what. But, and mm-hmm. on the road, there's this small bridge that's like in a splat, a splat, oh Lord, a flat spot. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the bridge, 666 is wrote on the road. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. What you're supposed to do is you stop on the 666 and you put your car in park and then your car is supposed to roll on its own and stop at the spot where that girl died. Mm. And we went to this road and I can remember us doing it, but I don't remember if it happened or not. I'm assuming it didn't probably because I feel like I would remember that. 
or maybe right. it did and it spooked us and I've blocked it out of my memory forever so <laughs> oh my god I can't <laughs> but that is one personal thing I have the next one where I grew up the little community where I grew up there's a hill that's got like all these winding and twisty curves and stuff and one part of that it's called Hawker Hill mm-hmm. and my uncle's great-grandfather actually has a story about um the haunted hawker hill that he told my uncle and then my uncle told me just the other day because i was asking him about it well it was fresh one mm -hmm. this legend is that there were two sisters that lived there and they were witches apparently my uncle's great-grandfather he stopped there one night in his wagon because a storm had came through so he stopped there pretty much for shelter and he said he was sleeping in the kitchen in a bed and the quilt kept going to the end of the bed which already I'd be you know nope then he heard a drawer open and knives and forks flew out and stuck into the wall just over his head no then so after that he was getting ready to get out of there because he's like I'm done with this when the two uh women ran through ran into the kitchen and their somehow their long hair it had been braided together like their hair was braided to each other's hair and Hmm. they were screaming at the top of their lungs so after this he grabs his overalls and he runs to the wagon in the storm and the next day they found the sisters hanging from a tree that was just over the top of that bluff on Hawker Hill. And it said that if you go there at midnight, you can still hear the screams from when they leapt off the bluff with the ropes around their necks and then nothing. Mm-mm. So, and I thought that it was just crazy. He said that his, uh, his great grandfather would tell him that story while he would bounce him on his knee. Yeah. I'm like, that's creepy. And I mean, and I go by Hawker Hill all the time. I want to go up there. Uh, you can go can right ahead. Scream. You coming with me? Mm-mm, not hearing. I'm not hearing anybody screaming, any babies <laughs> crying, any goat men seeing them i'm not <laughs> i love the paranormal but i don't want to see anything you like definitely to, don't want to, hear to learn about it not experience it for yourself right <laughs> voices of my loved ones that have passed on calling yeah, out to me i'll pass, pass and like just randomly feeling like a sudden sadness yeah yeah oh no that was creepy well, too you I think you'd be, able, you'd be in control of your own feelings that's what would freak me out is just like the total loss of control like no thank you I'll keep anxiety on crack good well that concludes this episode and hopefully next week Chelsea will be back with us well we hope you keep listening and remember to keep it sweet